something. I, people who know me know that that's the case. I think that's true of a lot of men in here, but I don't want to uh, you know, put my insufficiency onto you guys. Uh, but that's what I just did. Um, and basically, yeah, like losing things is bad enough, but the worst thing about losing something is that you have to try and find it. You have to look for it. So if it's a pen, it's like, fine, that can go. Fed up with that, don't need it. But me, when I lose stuff, it tends to be my, my, my wallet my keys or my phone. <laughs> Anyone else? It's always one of those things. I need to leave the house with them. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll, um, I'll look around for ages. I'll be looking around for at least like 30 seconds. I'll be looking around. I'll be all over the house. And I think this is something you inherit as a married man. When you become married, you learn this skill. And what I do is I do this. I'm, I'm frantically looking around. I'm, I, I go like this. I say this. I say, babe, <laughs> where did you put... <laughs> My wallet. <laughs> you, you see, what I did there is I, I took the blame off of myself. I put it onto my wife. And the second thing that that achieved was my wife is now going to look, hopefully. I was like, like babe, look, I left it in the middle of the floor because that's where my wallet stays, you know? My wallet, that's the place my wallet in the middle of the floor. And she'll go, Josh, I've not had your wallet. I'm like, babe, you, you've definitely had my wallet. You've moved it. It was in the middle of the floor. I knew where it was. And I'm all bubble and no, no froth. So when it comes to looking at things, I'm just stomping around like, babe, you've moved my wallet. Like, where? You put my wallet, like, moving around the house, rummaging through things. I'm like, where's my wallet? And what normally happens is my, my wife calmly joins the search, goes to the last piece of clothing I was wearing and, and grabs my wallet from my pocket. Uh, I, I've just been in this wild rage around the house, like tearing the house inside out. And, uh, and, and there Helen comes downstairs and she's got my wallet in my hand and obviously it was my fault, so I pull this kind of smile. I mean, a lot of guys will probably know this smile. It's like... <laughs> It's like, you know, I know I'm wrong, but I don't want to say it, you know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh, thanks, babe. thanks, babe, thanks. And she'll go, have you got something to say to me? I went, yeah, I love you. She said, no, 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 that's not it. <laughs> that, that, that's not it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Now, I, I want to ask you the question this morning. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? I, I think we're all looking for something. It's human nature to look for stuff. Um, I think if we surveyed everyone in this room, every single person would be looking for something, whether it be uh, some new clothes, whether it be the next car, whether it be that new house, whether it be, uh, you know, a new job. We're all looking for something. I mean, some people may go to another level and say, I'm looking for love. I'm looking for hope. I'm looking for acceptance. I'm looking for satisfaction. I think we're all looking for something. And the Christmas story, in the Christmas account in the Bible, we find two groups of people who are looking for something. We find the shepherds and we find the magi. You'll know the Christmas story fairly well, hopefully by now, and and not assuming anything, but I think this is a story that's known pretty well, this account. And we first find the shepherds, we find the shepherds in, in Luke 2. And basically, we, we see that the shepherds were out in the fields. They were doing their job. They were just me- doing their own business. And um, we, we have the understatement of the Bible, I think, in a sentence just here. Because what happens is the guys are just minding their own business. I just see them there. They're probably chatting with each other, probably just hanging out, doing the job. And all of a sudden, <laughs> angels appear. It's like, 
I imagine they've got the staff like, ah, get away from me, don't take me, please. Don't take me away. The, the, the shepherds are there. And the angel, like, in all his wisdom, he, this is the understatement of the century, he goes, don't be afraid. <laughs> don't be afraid. I'm in the middle of a field, and you're there. You're, like, singing. You're floating in the middle of the air. You came from nowhere. You're all wearing white. Everyone knows that white suits aren't the way to go anymore. That was, like, 1990s. This is weird. <laughs> don't, be, don't be afraid. But the, the angels go on to say, a king's been born, saviour's been born, messiah's been born, you need to go and see him. You need to go and see him. You see, what you have to understand about the shepherds and the shepherd's job and the shepherd's role in that day, they were right at the bottom of the tree. The shepherds were the lowest of the low, really. Like the shepherd was, it was the job you didn't want. It was the worst job going, it was the worst paid, it had the least perks, you were, all, you were out with your, your sheep. And that was it, basically. It was the lowest of the low this job was that the shepherds had. I find it crazy. I find it perplexing. I find it unbelievable that the first people to hear about Jesus were shepherds. The first people to hear about the king of the world are shepherds, lowly shepherds. See, right from the start, I think God's communicating that a new way is coming. I don't care about your bank account. I don't care about your bank balance. I don't care about how talented you are. I just care about you. Right from the start. Then we come on to the, what we find, the second people who, who find, about, find out about Jesus in the Christmas account. Find in Matthew 2. The Magi, the wise men, or you might know them as the three kings. And these guys, now these are the polar opposites. If the shepherds are the lowest of the low, then the Magi are the best of the best. They're the cream of the crop. The, it doesn't say in the Bible that they were kings, but we probably think they were kings because they probably came from a distant land and they were kings that came from a distant land. Now we hear three kings, three kings is probably wrong. There was probably loads of people because they had the servants and all this posse following them by. You know, you see these days, you know, these rap crews, it's a bit like that. The kings were like that, rolling down in the camels, you know, with the spinning wheels or whatever. I don't think they had spinners on camels. Um, but that's, that's what these guys were like. These were the best of the best. They were the richest. They were the most influential. They were the best known people. People wanted to be them. A really interesting fact about the Magi is this, is that they were almost like the scientists of the day. They were the, they were the clever people of the day. And also they were astrologers, we think. And I imagine it being like this, that the Magi were out one night. They were studying the stars as they always did. And one night... There was a new star, a, a star that seemed brighter, a star that was closer. The guy who found it drawed his friends and said, there's something new here, something new's happening. We need to go and see what this, this is all about. They followed this star. We don't quite know how they knew it represented Jesus' birth because it doesn't say in the, um, in the story. But they found out somehow. They came to Bethlehem looking for him. They asked around, where's this Jesus? Because they must have lost the star. Picked up the star again, went out because no one knew where he was. Found the star again, followed it to Jesus, his lonely house or stable or wherever he was. These kings, the best of the best, coming to see Jesus, Mary and Joseph, just in this, this little house, this humble house. They came and they brought amazing gifts bowed and worshipped. Right at the beginning of Jesus' life, this story communicates who Jesus came for. This account shows us who Jesus came for. Everybody. Everybody. 
He came for the shepherd, the lower of the low. Like, you know, the drug, the drug dealer, the prostitute, whoever you think is the lowest of the low, he came for them. But he also came for the magi. He came for the best of the best and everybody in between. If you fall between the lowest of the low and the best of the best, if you're alive in this place today, he came for you. That's what this story shows. That's what this account shows. God's communicating right from the start through this juxtaposition of social class. He's showing that the message he's trying to communicate to us is that he came for everybody. He cares for everybody. Right from the start. He came for everybody. No matter your social status, no matter what you're looking for, no matter where your hope is, no matter how talented you are, no matter what your bank balance says, he came for you. He came for you. He came for you. You have to understand that the shepherds and the magi, they weren't looking for Jesus. Before, they weren't looking for Jesus. They were just looking for stuff like, we look for stuff. The shepherds, they were probably looking for a new job, <laughs> being the worst of the worst. I see the shepherds as the Man City fans of the day. Do you know what I mean? Like, looking for a new club. Yeah, please. Uh, sorry, I'm a Manchester United fan. Uh, the shepherds, they were looking for a new job. They were looking for, they were probably looking, you know, how they, how they might put the next meal on the table. They were possibly looking for, for hope. They were probably looking for acceptance. They were possibly looking for a family. The magi, they were probably looking to increase the wealth. They were probably looking to increase the knowledge. They were probably looking to increase the stature. But isn't it funny that in a moment, that changed they went from looking for their own things to doing their own stuff to looking for Jesus. Unexpectedly. Out of nowhere. See, I find that I find my wallet when I'm not looking for it. It seems like sometimes I can only find what I'm looking for when I'm not looking for it. Do you know what I mean? Like I'll just look through my wardrobe or whatever. I'll look in my jeans and it'll pop out and it's there behind a the cupboard. See, that's what it was a bit like. They just found something unexpectedly. And what have I found here? I found my own star. Out of nowhere. Unexpectedly. That may be a lie. <laughs> I found my own star. It says on the back, John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You might have come in looking this morning for all kinds of stuff. You might have come in looking to increase your bank balance, increase your your stature, whatever. You might have come in looking for hope, acceptance. But you've seen something this morning and you found what you're looking for. You found what you're looking for. In a moment, everything changed. In a moment, everything can change. So you've been looking for hope. You've been looking for acceptance. You've been looking for satisfaction. I believe this morning, it's found in Jesus. That's why this baby was so special. That, no one told the Magi to get down on the knees and worship. No one told the shepherds to, to go drop everything and visit him and, and, and worship him and tell everyone about him. 
But that's why this baby's so special. They got there and they found what their soul had been looking for. They found what they've been looking for. They found what they've been longing for. And this morning, I believe that Jesus is what you've been looking for. I believe we were designed to live in relationship with Jesus. And that, that unrest you felt in your soul is because you don't know Jesus and he wants to know you. He wants a relationship with you. People think that Jesus came uh, to condemn people. People think that God's mad at them. People think that God's angry with them. Can't be further from the truth. John 3.16 communicates that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. God doesn't condemn you. That's a lie. He loves you. He wants to know you. He wants a relationship with you. That's all he wants. He wants to be involved in your mess. I'm dumb. But this morning, I think of that U2 song. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And Bono goes to write and says, look, I've looked looked, uh, for what I'm looking for in wealth. I've looked to fill fill this void in my life with, with relationships. I've looked to fill this void in my life with money, with partying, with drugs, with drink but I've still not found what I'm looking for. You might have tried everything. I'd ask you this morning to try Jesus. Give him a try. Why not? If you could just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second, you're not praying, you're just giving people the privacy. And if that's you this morning, you say, I want to try Jesus. I want to start a relationship.